This week I'm chatting to Simon Lloyd, whose new book, United With Dad, was out recently. Simon, welcome to the pod. Thanks for having me. Yeah, a real pleasure. I, I managed to get through this book in one sitting. That's good, I think. Yeah, I just powered <laughs> through it on my phone. Wow. Uh, it's That's a really going. interesting book. It's partly an homage to your dad, partly modern history of United as seen through his eyes and partly about the relationship between father and son and what football means, I guess. I mean, yeah. what was the inspiration for writing the book? You've summed it up quite nicely for a start. A couple of things, really. One, as we'll go into more detail later, my dad was obviously terminally ill for quite a long time, really. And I became a father myself in 2017. And I became acutely aware as time went on that my son, Ethan, who's now six, wouldn't really have a lot of time with his granddad. So I had it in the back of my mind. I wanted to do something that would kind of tell him a little bit about his granddad when he got older and old enough to ask questions, really. And the logical way of doing that was was to do something about United because it was the thing that our relationship, me and my dad, that is, our relationship was built upon, really, was, was that connection to United and going to the games. I don't think I really thought I was going to write a book at any point, but I, I was going to write something and not necessarily something that was going to go on sale either. It was going to be something just for him. But my dad passed away when Ethan was two and a half, just before, yeah, probably quite close to his third birthday, actually. About a month after that, I went back into work. I was working for Joe Media at the time and first day back and I just boshed out an article, thousand words, and it was basically called United with Dad. And it was just basically me trying to process what had happened but in word form and luckily my editor at the time kind of allowed me to do that and yeah he had a really good response so when that had settled down a bit that kind of that was when the, the seed first started to grow really that I could fuse the two ideas together and get something that was a bit more permanent that could maybe help other people as well yeah yes I mean it sounded well at least from the book like that was a very difficult end to his life both for him personally and, and for you as a family the descent yeah. into sort of almost not recognizing the family because of the dementia and the cancer that took his body as well. But but also a time for you to reflect back on your relationship with him and going to football, which obviously the, the book, I should say, the book spans a really long time period from the 50s yeah. when he first started going to the 2019, 18, when he passed away. And it's sort of told through both the prism of... You know, important games and seasons and moments and memory and also your your sort of ongoing relationship with your dad at the time you know, how, did, how right. did you put that together I mean it's a it's an interesting way of sort of constructing the the narrative yeah it was a very very difficult decision that because as you've just said it spans a long time I think that for this to really appeal to a lot of United fans and to formulate a, an accurate picture of my dad it had to include like his early experiences as well of going because he, he went he first saw United play in the mid 50s before before Munich it was absolutely obsessed from moment one and as you'll know if you've read the book my dad grew up in a pub my, my grandparents had a pub just literally right next to the railway line to Manchester Liverpool about 10 miles out of Manchester there was a train station at the top of the pub which meant that my dad had access to Old Trafford quite easily on a match day which was perfect for him and I think that those early experiences shaped a lot of who he was as a person and what, what mattered to him in his life. And I felt like I had to get that in. Now, the difficulty was trying to fuse all that together with what I was trying to say about the other end of his life. But 
So in the end, I settled on alternate timelines, really. So mm. I had one which was my dad at the start of his life and gradually getting older. And then that was kind of interspersed with the last two years of his life and the, the experiences we had, because a lot of a lot of his decline, especially with those last two years, I kind of charted out Old Trafford going to the game with him because that was the only real time, only real quality time we really got together was, was going, you know what it's like when you get a bit older and you don't, you've got kids yourself, you don't yeah. really have a lot of time to just nip in and see them. So those two, three hours that I got Saturday, Sunday afternoon, whenever it was, that was my quality time with dad and when I started to notice things really. So that was the challenge really. But as time went on, it, it kind of changed a bit when he'd stopped going to the games and was no longer able to and the dementia started to really like kind of become more severe, more pronounced. That was the United connection there kind of took on a bit of a different meaning. Yeah. There's a few sort of really nice passages where you describe the the scene, which will be very familiar to people who spend a lot of time at Old Trafford, familiar faces you're sitting around, the sweary yeah. lads who have a go at the referee, even though you're, uh, I think mm. you're, you're sitting on tier two of the, the North Stand, so, so Alex Ferguson. Yeah, stand, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Not quite up in the gods, but far enough up that uh, yeah. the referee can actually help the parts of the ground either, but you know, it's, yeah. we always have the characters thought you were quite like target the referees. Yeah. And, uh, and how, how does this sort of relate to your your early experiences of going as well? Because there's there's a nice kind of bookend to the the story of you going him going with his dad the first time, you going with your dad yeah. for the first time, and you taking and and you almost like kind of walking out of the ground the last time he went to Old Trafford as well. So there's some there's some parallel lines there. Yeah, I mean I. Those early experiences, I think, like you, I know it sounds really cliche, and I think I say that in the book itself. But if you end up going regularly, you always, no matter what happens, you always remember that first sight of the pits, don't you? And mm. my dad, I think, had waited for a long time to have an excuse to go regularly because he, he, as the book says, he he went as a young lad and and right up until like the seventies, really, when he had a bit a brief hiatus where he couldn't go because family life and mm. other things got in the way, which sometimes is the way with life, isn't it? But towards the 90s when United were just starting to come into that really amazing period they had, I, I was at an age where I was just taking interest in football. My dad was waiting. He was obviously trying to encourage me and drip feed me like programs that he brought back to the game. He was dying for me to start going. And obviously it took me to my first game and I, I talk about this in the introduction where my dad, we just had this lovely moment and it, it stayed with me for years. At the time, I probably didn't understand it, but looking back, I do. We got back to the car and it was a November game against Ipswich Town and it was midweek, it was a school night. I was absolutely knackered and uh, it was nil-nil. It was an awful game and there was snow in the air, really, really cold. And we parked on some like scrap of wasteland somewhere in the middle of Trafford Park. Mm. I'm not exactly sure where it is now because when you first go there, it's like a labyrinth, isn't it? It um, is. Kind of place you pay a couple of lads five quid to make sure your car's still yeah. got wheels on afterwards, yeah. 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 yeah, and I just remember my dad opening the car door and saying, is that it now? Are we are we going to go next week and the week after that? Is that, are we in now? And my dad had just grinned. And as I say at the time, I don't think he understood it, but I think looking back now, yeah. that was his him thinking, yes, I've got him. And he had the excuse to go back regularly. And those early memories, a lot of it at that time, because you, you're getting used to it, kind of blends into one. So you don't have any specific memories of what the game was, apart from one or two exceptions. But... 
yeah, it just, it obviously went a long way to building the relationship me and my dad had mm. over the years that followed and, and certainly for what happened towards the end too. All, all the anecdotes in the book about his early life of going to football and he played football semi-pro level as well and that's kind of weaved throughout. How did you go about pulling those together? Are those tales he told over the years that you remembered? Were you thinking about like recording this? Because it's like the book is part yeah. memoir as well, really. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it's a good question. I know I probably should have said this in the first question you asked me before, but I think from what I said to you earlier on about how I'd had the idea about wanting to put things together for Ethan when he was old, my son, so that he had something to look back on. I was making notes. There's actually a book I've got on my shelf behind me in Warrington Town when he used to play for them because that's who he played for and that was his hometown club. So he's very proud to play for them. So there were little bits of information I could get through that. And a lot of the games that are referenced in it and his early memories were just built upon stories he told me in the car on the way to games. Because I think like probably a good 60, 70% of the conversations we must have had as adults were about United, right. about his memories and about various things that happened. So it did get to a point where I did jot things down as well because I thought one day I would like to put this in some kind of like tangible book that I can pass on to my kids one day when they're a bit older. So that kind of helped a lot when it came to putting it into a book form as well. You got some favourite memories of games that you visited with your dad? Yeah, obviously the first game. Um, I think I referenced this in the book as well. One of the, my favourite ones is my dad, like, he was very set in his ways about things and he used to get really hurt by people leaving early. Yeah. Which, you know, Anyone who's been to Old Trafford on a max day, I'm not judging those that do leave it early. It is a nightmare getting out, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. But my dad hated that. He was absolutely furious. And the idea of spending so much money, and like even if we're getting battered, I can remember like sitting there when United were getting convincingly beaten at times. And my dad was like, no, I paid so much money for this ticket. We're not going anywhere. And like, I don't know why, but the event is semi in the Champions League in 99, when obviously Conte had scored for them. And... A fella, probably about 15, 10 minutes to go, decides to get up and go. Obviously beat the traffic. My dad was probably a bit miffed as well because obviously the European Cup meant so much to him. Yeah. A lot of that generation of supporters, really. The fact that United looked like they were probably going to be going out at that particular moment. I think it all came together and he started having a bit of a go at this bloke. And that wasn't really my dad's character, but because this guy was leaving early, he, he decided to just vent his anger at him. So moments like that stand out. And... That's kind of like the theme of the book, really. It's not necessarily like the big goals. It's not necessarily like the games that everyone else remembers. It's little moments to happen at inconsequential games that, you know, don't really mean anything to anyone else now. Like I've just mentioned there, like nil-nil against Ipswich yeah. in November 1993. No one remembers that, but to me, that game's really special because of obviously the associations that are tied to it. Yeah. Do you think you're going to pass it down from granddad to dad to or your granddad to your dad to you to your kids now i hope so i mean i, I talk in the book as well about my granddad my dad's dad the irony is he, he wasn't yeah. massively into his football at all he was more a cricket fan and to him going to old Trafford, was watching lancashire play or one of the tests and he strangely like around the mid 60s suddenly started getting into going to united with my dad and my dad at the time couldn't really understand it he thought it was a bit strange and he, he just put it down to George Best because he, he got so used to so many people that were normally there at Old Trafford on a match day going to watch Best that he just assumed his dad just wanted to go and say he'd seen it himself and 
Years later, when my granddad got quite poorly with Parkinson's disease, my nan, his mum, basically told my dad that the reason he did that is because you'd left home by then and he realised the only time he got to spend with you would be by going to the football, which was quite a nice theme to tie in with, obviously, what I was talking about and the situation I find myself in now where my uh, Ethan's on about going to games with me now. It's a difficult one because it's a fine balance when you, a lot of dads will relate to this, that you don't want to impose yeah. your interests on them, do you? You don't want to push them into it and force it. Um, because Ethan, like, he's, he knows his own mind, even though he's six and a half. And I feel like if I did it too much, he'd say, right, I support Liverpool or City. And he'd probably then be put on eBay. But it, it's that sort of thing, isn't it? Where you, 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 there's a balance to it. You don't want to put too much pressure on them. But he is taking an interest now. And we had some lovely roles towards the end of last season, actually. I got to a couple of the games, the Wolves game. And it was one where mm. it was quite delicately poised until the last few minutes to win 1-0. And got that show broke away. And he'd been to other games before then and seen gold. This one was the first time I was like really aware of him watching like the build-up and he could see the player getting nearer and he could see that the chance was coming. And moments like that where we're like celebrating together were, were really nice and something that I thought, yeah, he's actually it, he's getting there now. Almost a, a bit yeah. similar to what I was talking about with that before that. I've got him moment where he's, where he's actually taking an interest and it's crystallising into something. So I've got three, 18, 10 and 6. And yeah. I've found it quite a struggle getting them into football and and I, I totally resonate the, this idea of not pushing it on them too strongly the 10 year old is into games he has shown almost no interest yeah. in football at all so it's you don't pull out some kind of weapon and shoot someone in in football so uh, that's really difficult oh, yeah but, yeah exactly yeah no yeah, well, yeah yeah you know but the younger one is if Saudi Arabia have the way yeah. it, might, it might go that way you know, well exactly there may just be a moment that sparks interest and the, the youngest one is now doing as they call it here soccer so he's showing some interest i think i may be able to drag him to something yeah, it's yeah. obviously we now being away from from england getting to old trafford will be more difficult but and and yeah. honestly the sounders are terrible so uh, <laughs> it may not be that, but uh, yeah. I had taken down to the supporters club. Well, he's been with me, actually, the, the younger one. So, But that, that kind of connection really does matter, doesn't it? It's something, as you say, something to, to you know, an excuse to have a conversation, a reason to spend time with people. Yeah, and so much of the match there, like, like you just touched on there, it's not about the actual 90 minutes of football. Yeah. It's about like yeah. the journey there and the things you talk about on the way and just, just spending time in each other's company. And that's what. Obviously, like my dad's thing towards the end of his life, before things got too much, was that he really wanted to go to an yeah. Ethan and he never quite got there. And I'd like to think that it'd be lovely if Ethan develops anything like the kind of passion I've got for it, just because my, my dad would have loved that. And even though he can't be there to witness it, I think it's something like, there's something very powerful about being able to go to a place and say, oh, that's where your granddad used to stand when he was 10. So that'd be nice. But yeah, it's, it's not going too hard with it, isn't it? It's just making sure he, he forms that. And the other thing I think that really comes out in the book is 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 the connections, and everyone will resonate with this. It's this is this is it's not just about the football and the results. In fact, I think as you get older, which you reference as well, it's almost the results start to become secondary to the people that you've made connections with and the experience of going on the match day, and and especially now in times when. It's all about money and finances and big business and state ownership mm. and whether the the 
centre forward is a rapist or not, and like all these things that we didn't want to have to talk about. Yeah, wow. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's still about the connections between the fans. Absolutely, and, and that I talked about the the piece that I'd written initially that kind of like was part of the reason I ended up following it with the book and the feedback I got to that and the feedback I got the early feedback I've had for the book already which has been like quite overwhelming really it's been it's been a lot of people referencing that relationship whether it's with the dad mm. or whether it's with anyone else that goes to a game with them because it is that and I think like as you do get older it does become less about the winning and losing obviously it's a lot better and a lot more enjoyable if you're winning but it's not really what it's about it's not really why you go I think the older you get but then we Ten would say that crap, after like yeah. 10 yeah. years of mediocrity yeah so maybe that's no, just me being I mean, the there, there I are definitely know. passages that I, I really resonated with where you talk about the kind of stomach churning nervous anxiousness which through my teens and yeah. my 20s and 30s was a like a real sense like to the point where you're not really sure whether you're actually enjoying the football because it feels so horrible and nah. And and then as as I've got older, exactly that, that, yeah. that's a bit less. And it's not because I care less. It's just I, I I don't know. I have more perspective around it, and also I have less expectations over the last ten years about actually doing the winning. Yeah. But there's a there's a chapter in your book or a, a piece in your book about the the night in Paris as well, and that right in the middle of your dad's sort of final yeah, yeah. stages of illness as well. Talk a little little bit about that because I think that's a kind of it's an interesting time for you to reflect on yeah. things. Yeah, well, that that whole tie was it was it was right in the thick of when when things were just about the worst. Really, my, my dad still he went on to live for another seven or eight months after that. But the dementia, and a lot of people who know people in the family who've lived with dementia will know that sometimes it can manifest itself in the person who's living with it being quite aggressive and. That was kind of what was going on at that time. So the home leg, the Paris Saint-Germain game, my dad was in hospital at that time in Warrington and it was quite poorly. And I'd gone to visit him on the mm. day of the home leg, which is where they lost 2-0. And it, football then was like it is for a lot of people. It was a form of escapism. It was just a way of shutting out what was going on with my dad. I'd gone to see him. The curtain, he was, on a, he was on a ward there, but the curtain was kind of pulled around him. I didn't quite know what was going on. And went in there and he just basically just came out with this volley of abuse, which just was not my dad was swearing and everything, which is anyone who knew him, he was a he was a, a deputy head teacher for a while and he was very like straight down the line and didn't really want to swear or use bad language and stuff, but he was he was really, really angry and directed a lot of that at me, so I, I had to go in the end and Basically, I went to the game that night and then, but my association of that game and that whole time was that and then the away leg came about a couple of weeks later and initially I planned on going, but things were kind of like spiraling a bit with my dad and for whatever reason, I didn't think it was, it was apt for me to leave the country while my dad was like that. So I settled into watching and those that, I'm, I'm sure not many people listening to this will, will have forgotten it, but obviously United had lost the first leg 2-0 at home and there was absolutely no chance of, of them passing through and then gradually things started to go the way they, they took a lead it went to one all then they scored again and then there was this ridiculous situation that even though they were playing uh, actual children at the end of it because they were so depleted with injuries and suspension they ended up scoring the goal for Rashford what had happened with me is I got so consumed with the game I completely forgot everything like the outside world didn't matter I was just in my living room and I was I think I referenced this in the book, but I was basically rolling around on the floor. I was so nervous and it meant so much for those last few minutes as waiting for the penalties to be taken and completely lost myself. So the goal went in, Rashford scored and, and 
obviously went berserk, got told off by my wife for nearly waking up the little lad who was in the bedroom above. And then full time went, and yeah, instinctively after that, I reached for my phone because the thing I always did when I watched a game away from my dad, or a game on TV, or if been an away game, whatever, I would ring him soon as soon as you got out of the ground just to have a quick chat, just to quickly debrief on the game and just enjoy that moment with him. And I was so swept away by what had happened, I'd forgotten that obviously. I wasn't able to do that. My dad was in a hospital ward and didn't really know who I was anymore. So moments like that are, are quite difficult. Um, it still happens every now and then. You get that nanosecond where you think after a go, oh, I'm in God. And, you know, obviously it's nearly four years now. I don't think that'll ever go away. And speaking to friends who've been in similar situations, I think it's something that a because lot you of people experience to be shared. as well. And especially with the people that mean most. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you think he would think of current modern United then? I don't think he, I mean, my dad despised like the, the commercial element of it. He accepted it was part of, of what the club had become. And I think he, he understood that what the club had become was because of that as well. He didn't like it. It was something that he never felt comfortable with. He always felt like it was a million miles away from what, what he'd grown up with, which obviously it was. Obviously the Glazer stuff, he was, he was like anyone was never really on board with that. And I just think that the last kind of conversations we had where he was like in a position to hold like meaningful conversations about it he was just very distraught about it really that he could never understand like a lot of us can't understand how it was ever sanctioned that a group of people could come along and buy a club in the way they did without really putting anything in themselves and basically create money out like they had done and it wasn't illegal yeah. what they did but it, that's what he could never completely fathom and how that was ever allowed so i think he found that difficult and as I say, like, it's strange really, because my dad, he used to go on a lot of holidays to Europe and stuff when we were kids, he used to have a caravan and we'd drive into the continent and it'd blow his mind that he'd go to these places in Italy and stuff on these campsites and there'd be kids there wearing United shirts and didn't speak English or anything. That used to blow his mind, that ends. And he understood that that came as part of this being this big brand, if you like, but I think it always like felt strange to him. And, as I say, the way it's become the last few years, I remember it. Uh, I don't think I put this in the book, but I probably should have done. I remember like, uh, weirdly on the max day, they had one of the little, little stalls that they set up outside, one of the sponsors, I think it was the, uh, the, the official wine partner. And my dad had gone into this thing and Quinter Fortune Blessing was there. And he was like speaking to fans and my dad had a big chat with him. I remember my dad right. chewing his <laughs> ear off about basically the state of the club and this, this corporate stuff and Quinton Fortune has just been really polite and trying to kind of diffuse the the, the conversation and stuff but my dad hated it I uh, know I mean it dread to think what he'd think of it all now but you know I mean we're we're of an age I, I, I'm respect, guessing you're a, to a, see a few years younger than me but uh, we're of an age where we kind of we probably first started going just as the the end of the sort of old era of football so I, I started going in the 80s and then really started going a lot mm. in the early 90s. That was kind of the time where I was going to games when my mum really didn't want me to, that kind of thing. And, and that was just at the beginning of the era of commercialization. Yeah, yeah. But commercialization then was they founded a mega store and you could go in and buy stuff on a match day. And, and then there were two mega stores at Old Trafford and that, that kind of yeah. thing. And yeah. There was that really and, big one, uh, that wasn't there. I remember that. And now it's moved on where it's, it's global sponsorships and media and state ownership and private equity groups and and this kind of whole range of stuff that just feels completely alien 
and it feels like it shouldn't yeah. be part of the game, but it is. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no escaping it now. And I mean, I, I guess the only way of escaping it is to get yourself a state ownership, yeah. which obviously is not not the better alternative, if you ask me. But um, it's the nature of it now. I don't see it really changing. But it was just so far away from like the like the innocence of the first few days, where yeah. it was just basically a, a team made up of predominantly local lads and obviously the likes of Duncan in that as well. And yeah, that, I mean, is that, yeah, I mean, is that uh, so far away from that? In the book where you talk about how your dad used to to wait for Duncan Edwards and uh, some of the other players to, at a bus stop and he'd go hours before the game to have a few moments of yeah. uh, walking along with the great man. You wouldn't see that today, really, not unless it was organised by sponsors. So. Yeah, I've got to say, it would be in association with Aon or whatever it was, wouldn't it? Some, whatever the official noodle partner is these days. But yeah, it's just so far away from that. Obviously, the idea that any member of the first team could set foot outside the ground on a match day without like being escorted in now it's absolutely ridiculous isn't it but it was so commonplace then from what i can gather and there was a group of kids that used to follow them along when they used to walk into the ground but it was always respectful enough that they didn't really hassle them too much it was just literally as i say in the book it was my dad just following around looking at them all starstruck but not really quite having the the nerve to ask many questions Excellent. Well, the book's out now. I know you had some distribution issues at first, but how's it doing with the sales? It's doing very well, yeah. I've been uh, pleasantly surprised because obviously it's uh, it's my first time doing this. I've never written a book before. So it was, last time I checked, the best-selling United book on Amazon, which you'll never sing that. <laughs> Try and start that one up in the Stratford End. Um, so it's been pleasantly surprising, but like, my motives for doing it were just, like I say, it wasn't really about making money or yeah. anything else. No. It was just about having something for the kids when they're a bit older. But, you know, it's it's intriguing to see how people are receiving it. Now, quite overwhelming, the feedback I'm getting early on with it, really, which has been nice because yeah. it's not just like my nan telling me it's good. It's other people too, which is quite pleasing. Yeah, well, I think you will resonate with a lot of people, not not just because they went with their dads, but just their sense of community and belonging and uh, what that means. And obviously, it's a very personal story for you as well, yeah. clearly, and people will recognise that. So, yeah. No, con- congrats. It's uh, it's a good read. As I said, I turned in 20 pages in one sitting, um, which was uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Fun. Fun's not the right word. I, I mean, it's a good, it's a, it's, okay. it's a good read, but it's, it's obviously <laughs> difficult because it's a personal, personal story for you. So you, know, you do feel like you're sort of spying on that uh, last few years of his life in a way. But yeah, congratulations yeah. on the book. It's got a fantastic cover as well by Stan Chow. Different style yeah. to normal. I think people will really enjoy it. Yeah, he was brilliant with that, by the way. He put in loads of effort into it. You know, he's, he's obviously everyone's familiar with his work now, but he was fantastic yeah. with that. Especially given the very vague pitch I gave to him of what I wanted to, he was he was wonderful with it. So, yeah, good stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot for joining, Simon. Uh, United with Dad, out now. All good bookstores, Amazon and so on. Go, go grab a coffee and thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it.